This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Who is grateful for Jesus today? Amen. He, he, he's alive. He is well. And that's, uh, that's just, man, I, I, you know, the Easter Sunday is one of the, the most beautiful days of the year. And the reason for that is, is the meaning, right? That, that Jesus didn't stay dead. We realize that he died on Good Friday, right? What, what, what if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead? What if he stayed in that grave? What if he stayed in that tomb? Man, we would be in a mess right now. But thank you, Jesus, that he didn't stay dead. That he came out of that tomb and that he is alive today. He's just as alive. He's just as real as you are sitting right here. Amen. And he's going to do something for you today if you'll pay attention for a few minutes and listen up to what the word of God has to say. Well, if you need an outline for the message today to kind of follow along, you can raise your hands and and the ushers will give you an outline. But the title of our Easter message today is this. The title is simply valuable, valuable. And you're like, well, well, what, what does that have to do with? Well, usually when I say something's valuable, even if I Google the word valuable, you start getting pictures of gold and silver and money and, and, and treasure chest and, 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 and diamonds and all this stuff. Because in this world, when we say valuable, we think of money. But I'm here to tell you today that there's something more valuable than money, believe it or not. I know that that's hard to believe in 2019, but listen to me. There's something more valuable than money, and it's sitting right here in this congregation today, and it's you. You are more valuable than all the money on planet Earth. You are better than, you are more valuable, you are worth more than all the gold and all the money in this world. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus came and he died for you, right? You realize that. You're at church on Easter. You get that. That Jesus came and died for you. And I realized that there's a whole lot of people that I know, a whole lot of people here today, that you don't see yourself as being very valuable. You see yourself as the mistakes that maybe you made in the past. You see yourself as being defined by something you did when you were a teenager. You see yourself as, as, as the guy that used to, to, used to be addicted, the, the, the girl that used to do this. But Jesus, he does not see that. He sees somebody that he loves so much, he's like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and I'll take their punishment. Don't, God, don't do it to them. Let, let me take their punishment instead. He saw you as so valuable... That he was willing to die for you. And if you don't think you're valuable, you are a liar and you're lying to yourself. And maybe you believe the lies of those around you. But listen to me today. Jesus sees you and he thinks that you're so valuable. You are worth so much that he would die for you. And and he did die for you. And I wish that you could see that today. and, And that's my prayer. And so... We're going to look at a few things here today in Scripture. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go super long. I know the kids are having a good time over there, but I want you to just for a few minutes today open up your hearts to the Word of God. You know, maybe you're, you're not a, an every every Sunday uh, church member, and, and and I get that, but you're here today, and so at least for today, listen to what the Word of God has to say. You did good being here. I we we say it this way sometimes. Jesus, if he could rise from the dead, you can rise from the bed. And you made it to church on Sunday morning. Give yourself a hand today. Come on, somebody. 
Amen. All right. Well, we're going to look at a few things, and, and I believe that the Word of God is going to speak to you today. I may not have a whole lot to say. You may not want to hear what old Pastor Dave has to say, but you do want to hear what God has to say today. Because I'm telling you, if there's somebody that died for three days and then came back... I want to hear what they have to say. They've got something that I need to hear right now. And, and Jesus has something that you need to hear. And so the first thing I'm going to say today is this, if you'll follow along. Number one is this, is that you are important. And I'm not here to give a motivational speech. This isn't Dr. Phil time. I'm not your therapist. I'm not here to say, doggone it, you are awesome. Uh, you are. But, but, but this is deeper than that. This is deeper than just a good pat on the back, a good motivational speech. You need to realize that in all seriousness, you are a super important person. And it's funny that in, in, in our society, we elevate some people to being, man, that they are so important. That, you know, that I, I was looking on, uh, they got this Coachella music festival going on right now. All these people that the world thinks is just amazing. And I'm like, are you serious? I know people ten times cooler than that right here in Barstow. I know people, that, I mean, people that are, that are, no one person is more valuable than the other. But it's hilarious that our society exalts some people because they can sing or, or they can, you know, they can hit a baseball 500 feet or they can, you know, they can, they can sing three pointers from 30 feet or whatever. And we think, well, that makes them better than the rest of us. No, it doesn't. You are just as valuable. You are just as important as Stephen Curry. You are just as important. You are just as valuable and, and, and as anybody else in this world. You need to realize that you're so important that Jesus died for you. And Jesus wouldn't die for somebody that's not important. And so I'm going to show you a verse here this morning in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. And um, that may take you a minute to find. And if you can't find it, that's all right. We'll put it on the screen here because uh, this isn't exactly one of those books of the Bible that we just pour over every single morning. But Zechariah chapter two. In verse eight, I'm going to read this and I want to really get the last sentence of this. But it says, after a period of glory, the Lord of heaven's army sent me against the nations who plundered you. Listen, for he said, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession. What? The Lord says right here, anyone that harms you is harming my most precious possession. Well, I I mean, really, God, because you own a whole lot of stuff. (laughs) In fact, the book of Psalms says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so God owns the sequoia trees. He owns the Mount Everest. God owns the Pacific Ocean. God owns all this stuff. But when it boils down to it, God says, you my people, you're my most precious possession. I, I, all that other stuff, that's good. I made it and that, that's fine. But people are what matter to me the most. And anyone who harms a child of God is messing with God himself, right? And he says, anyone who harms you is harming my most precious possession. And so I'm, I'm thinking about this. You know, do you have a most precious possession? You know, we're Americans. We have a lot of stuff. Let's just get real about it. You have a lot of stuff, whether you realize it or not. You may not have five houses, but the one house or the apartment that you have, you have kids. It has more toys than than that are ever needed. Can I get an amen this morning? Their toys just show up out of the woodwork at my house. Where did this stuff come from? 
I, it's, it's everywhere. Legos and stuff that I really wish wasn't there. Don't get me started on glitter because I hate glitter and I hate Play-Doh. Those are like the, my arch nemesis at my, I hate, and, and hate sounds like a strong word, but I'm not using it out of context. I hate glitter and Play-Doh and I'm not too fond of Legos these days either. But, but, but as Americans, we have a lot of stuff. In fact, we have so much that we have things that if we were to be honest, we don't actually even need. But at the same time, I do have some things in my life that matter to me more than anything else. I mean, I mean, things, my family, my children, my wife, my, my church, things that, that, man, forget all the money in the world. I wouldn't take it for any of those things. I have my most prized things to me that I would die for, that, that, that I would give it all up for because they matter that much to me. And I hope that you have things like that, too. And I was kind of thinking about it uh, over the my kids have been on spring break for the last two weeks. Somebody at their school thought a two week spring break would be a good idea. I'm going to adjust that next year, hopefully. But we, so we've taken uh, we've taken two weeks and we went up to Lake Tahoe for the weekend. And, I'm, and I, you know, we're driving and and I'm telling you, that's the most beautiful drive I've ever taken in my life, driving through the Sierra Nevada mountains. And I'm driving and, and there's streams and rivers and and there's, you know, there's there's horses running through the fields. And I mean, it sounds fake, but it's not. You you know, a lot of you have seen it is the most beautiful thing in the world. And I'm thinking about, man. How cool is it that the same God that, that, that made the giant sequoia trees, I love going to sequoia, the same God that made the Pacific, the same God that, 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 that made these streams and, and valleys and rivers, and the same God that made all these things looked down on earth and thought, you know what, we need a Susan down there too. We need a Michael. The same God that made all these things, he looked down here and thought, we need one of you too to be in that earth. And he puts you in it. I mean, that's something to think about right there. That you're not just some accident. You're not just, here you are. You're here for a reason and a purpose. And you may not know what that is yet, but Jesus, he knew what it was long before you were ever born. And he would not die, I'm telling you, for somebody that wasn't important. He wouldn't give his life. Think about it. The most important person that's ever walked on the face of the earth, more important than any king, any president, any any famous person, the number one most important person ever came down. And he's the one that died for you and for everybody else. That, I mean, that, that, uh, some of you that's flying over your head, but some of you, I hope that that's clicking in your heart this morning that Jesus literally came, even if you were the only one, even out of the billions of people, even if you were the one, he would have said, it's worth it just to just to have him in heaven with me, just to have her get to be in heaven with me for the next billion years. I'll do it. I'll die. And he did. And that's that's just something that that's almost difficult to wrap our mind around. But it's the absolute truth. And so you may have had people tell you that you're not you're nothing you're not that valuable maybe you've got a a a former spouse or somebody a parent that was super across the line verbally abusive to you whatever the case is maybe they made you think that you are not worth it but jesus said they are a liar you are worth it and i and, and 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 i would i would give everything in this world i'd get rid of everything else if i could just have your heart and that's what he's after today. He's not after your money. Get over it. He's not after, you know, your things. He is here and he's after your heart because that's what he wants. He wants you to be with him forever. And so 
Number one, you are important. And the second thing I'm going to say is this, is that there is a war being fought over you. There's a battle for you, man. Whether you realize it or not, you're a a hot commodity. There's a lot of things that want you. Jesus wants you. The devil certainly wants you. And this world definitely wants you. And there are all sorts of things fighting for your attention and waging a war to get your soul. Somebody will eventually win, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. And I'm telling you today that Jesus wants to be the one to win, to win you over. He wants to be the one that gets to, uh, that, that, that gets to take possession of you and, and, and gets to be your Lord. Because whether you realize it or not, you do have a Lord. Not everybody has a savior because there's only one savior, but everybody has something that lords them around. A lot of people, it's money. Some people, it's, you know, other things. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, there will be something that drives you in this life, something that that causes you to do the things that you do. And if Jesus is that thing, you're going to obviously do the right thing. You're going to do good things. You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to forgive people that don't deserve it. You're going to do the right thing. But. Really, everybody has something that bosses them around and is their Lord in life. And I want to show you something here in Proverbs chapter four. If we could flip there to Proverbs chapter four. You know, I was uh, I was I was kind of reading a little bit and and throughout the history of the world, most wars, not every war, but but a lot of wars have been fought over territory. Two different countries wanted the same piece of land. They wanted to plant their flag there. And, and you could look, I mean, the Middle Ages and, and earlier on that, that, that is so many times about the real estate. They want to own that land. They want to possess that. And a lot of times one country already owned it and somebody else says, no, we want it. So they come in and, and then there's a war over that piece of land because somebody wants to plant their flag on that piece of land and say, this is ours. Well, your heart today is that piece of land. Your heart today is that piece of real estate. And and and, and and there's different things fighting over. No, this is ours. He belongs to us. We own him. We tell him what to do. He will obey us every time that we say he's going to have that craving. He's going to do it and he will bow his knees to us every time the rest of his life. We own him. Maybe it's an addiction. Whatever the case is, there's something that wants to be your Lord. And I decided a long time ago, I don't want anything telling me what to do other than Jesus Christ. No person, no thing, no anything. I want Jesus to be the one that calls the shots in my life. But the thing is, he will not force it. He will give me the option to let him be my Lord, but he will not force himself upon me. He will not force himself upon you. It is totally up to you if you'll say, you know what, I'm going to give it all to you. I can't do it anyway. And the sooner you figure that out, the lot better off you're going to be when you quit being your own Lord, when you quit being your own boss, when you quit calling your own shots and say, Jesus, I've messed this thing up too much already. I'm just going to give it to you. Do something with my life. And when we can lay down our pride and get there, he'll do something with you. You're still usable for him. And he's got an amazing plan if You'll let him. Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Wow. Guard your heart above all else? I mean, above everything else. More than my money? 
more than more than more than my status, more than my popularity, more than more than my job. He says above everything else, guard your heart. Why? Because it affects everything that you do. Now, this makes perfect sense if we're talking about, you know, actually going to war in the army or something like that. I mean, you want to guard your heart. Uh, that's a pretty important part of you, right? You you can't take a heart shot and live real long most of the time. But what we're discussing right here is spiritually because in the scripture, whenever we use the word heart, nine times out of ten, it's talking about the human spirit. And the book of Proverbs tells us, guard your spirit, guard your heart. Above everything else, it affects everything you do. If you've got something wrong with your heart, it's going to show. You're going to be mean to other people. You're going to be a hater. You're going to be you're going to be all sorts of stuff. And what it boils down to is you didn't guard your heart. Because I found out that a lot of bad things can happen around me. But if I guard my heart, it's not going to take me down. It'll hurt sometimes, but it will not take me down. If I guard my heart. And so this tells us right here to guard your heart above everything else. Why is that? Because there are a lot of things coming at your heart every single day. And a lot of times we see somebody do something. We're like, what were they thinking? Come on. Anybody you've ever looked and you're like, my God, what were they thinking? It's obvious that was the dumbest thing they could have done. Well, a lot of times it's because they didn't guard their heart. They didn't guard their heart. You see, I mean, you see some people that that love money so much, they'd sell their own grandma for the price. Why? Why is that? Because greed got a hold of their heart. It got a hold of their heart. And it's obvious to everybody else how stupid that is. But to them, they don't see it as stupid. They say, man, I got to get more. You see somebody leave their husband, leave their wife and run off with somebody else. And to me, that's like, why? Why? That is awful. That's disgusting. Why would you do that? It's obvious. They didn't guard their heart. And lust came in and they wrecked an entire family. They sacrificed their own children over a few moments of pleasure. And I'm getting real today. I'm just going to be real because I don't believe in being fake. And so if you'd sacrificed your kids for a few minutes of you feeling good, something is wrong with your heart. Some people, I mean, they would rather die then apologize. Why is that? They'd rather, they'd rather lose everything than have to admit that they were wrong. Why is that? Pride controls their heart. They did not guard their heart. So I'm telling you right now, what is it that's controlling your heart? It needs to be Jesus, obviously. And so let me show you a verse here in 1 Peter 2.11. Check this out. 1 Peter 2.11. Now, I know you came today to get the warm and fuzzies, right? Get your, make you feel good. We will get there. I promise you that there is a really good chance we'll probably make you feel good today. But at the same time, let's get real because it doesn't get any more real than Jesus dying on a cross for me and you. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway. That's real right there. 1 Peter Chapter 2 and verse 11, and, and I'm going to show you something here because this whole war over your soul thing, I didn't make that up. I got that out of the Bible. I'm not smart enough to make things like that up. First Peter 2.11, it says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. 
There's, there it is right there. The Bible says it. That there are things in this world that wage war against your very souls. When I think about that, I mean, in, in our modern age, it, it, I appreciate the modern technology to a certain extent. I really do. You know, the other day we were driving back from Lake Tahoe and I did something I haven't done in years. I ate at an out-of-town restaurant without looking up Yelp reviews. I just, hey, living on the edge. I know. I told you, I'm a wildcat. You didn't know that. But but we're driving. I'm like, hey, look, there's a diner. Let, let's just go there. Let's just do it. Let's let's roll the dice and just go. And and it was wild because usually, you know, especially me and Josh, if we're on a road trip, I mean, we're researching restaurants and getting reviews, and, and it's it's kind of silly. But here we are, and, and, and our technology, it's such a part of our everyday lives. And, and, and what I'm getting at is this, is that you have things coming at your mind and your heart from the minute you wake up in the morning. You've got the news, you've got, you've got politics, you've got, you've got all this stuff, and it's constantly a non-stop shot at your head and at your heart, and it's real easy to let something get control of you before you know it or not. And something else is starting to control and dominate your thoughts, your heart, your actions, your desires. You have to guard your heart. You know, I, I was reading this and I found that this is very interesting. Since the year 2000, the average attention span of Americans has dropped 25 percent since 2000. 25 uh, percent. Uh, I, I, I'm not kidding. The average attention span in our current generation is eight seconds. Now, let's put that into perspective. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So, so what I'm saying is, we're a very distracted generation. We've got goldfish that can look at the same thing longer than most of us. I mean, seriously, it's that bad. It has gotten to that level. And I, and I read that 77% of people between the age of 18 and 24, 77% said that if they aren't looking at something else, their hand instantly goes to their pocket to bring their phone out and look. If something else, if they're not looking at something else, they instantly go for their phone to start looking at it. Can we say addiction? Can we say, I mean, that's messed up right there. That we have to constantly have something going on to stimulate our brain to make us feel not bored. And if we are that addicted to something, I'm telling you right now, it's real easy for something else to come in and get control of your heart and something else to come in and win the battle over that prized piece of real estate that Jesus is going after and the devil's going after and the rest of this world is going after. You better learn that you need to guard your heart above all else. You've got to guard it because there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of things that want control of your heart. And so if the devil thinks it's so valuable and Jesus thinks it's so valuable, you ought to think it's pretty valuable. Because I found that there's a lot of people that they really don't, they aren't deep thinkers. They don't put much thought into what's going to happen when this is all over with. They don't, it doesn't really cross their mind that much. They're just like, well, you know, make as much as I can now, you know, have as much fun, enjoy my, my, my family. And that, that's fine. Nothing wrong with all that stuff. But you better put a little thought into what happens when this is all over with. 
You better at least think about that. You better realize that it doesn't all end when you take your last breath here. It's only just beginning. And Jesus came and he said, man, we've got to do something about this because there's a whole lot of people headed the wrong direction. And I like something that I read earlier. Somebody said, Jesus' death certificate was my birth certificate. I'm telling you today, because he died, I can be born again and I can live. Thank you, Jesus, that he loved us that much. And so there's a war going on. But listen to me right now. Number three, Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. He didn't use a coupon to get you. Well, buy one, get one free. If I get him, I can get, probably get him in on that too. And, and No, it was valuable, man. You didn't come at a discounted rate. You weren't cheap because important stuff isn't cheap. Valuable stuff is not cheap. How do you pay for something that's really, really valuable? Well, you got to give up something that's really valuable. You don't get to go out and buy a million dollar house for a hundred dollars. You got to pay the price. You, you listen, you were not cheap. You cost a lot. But thank God that Jesus was willing to pay what you cost. He was willing to pay what it took to get you out of hell and get you headed to heaven. And so, you know, oftentimes I hear people ask, well, why did Jesus have to die anyway? I'll tell you why. Because the book of Romans tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. When a sin is committed, blood has to be shed. That's the only way to pay, really, for a sin committed, spiritually speaking. And, of course, back in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice lambs and, and, and you know, doves and all this stuff. But that, that wasn't cutting it anymore. And Jesus said, you know what, let's just let's end all that and let's do this once and for all. And so one person, if we could find one perfect person, he could pay the price for everybody else. But I mean, how hard is it to find a perfect person? That's pretty hard. I've never seen one. But then Jesus comes along. And yes, of course, he is perfect. And he says, I'm going to I'll pay the price for everybody else. I think of it this way. Imagine you're in a courtroom and there's some absolutely no doubt about it. Guilty murderer getting ready to, to, to stand trial. I mean, he, he is standing trial and the judge is getting ready to pass down his sentence. No doubt about it. This guy deserves what's coming to him. But then we've got this one innocent person there, someone sweet and innocent that really hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, imagine your, your dear grandmother, your grandma. She's great, right? I don't know your grandma. I had a pretty good one. And so imagine grandma stands up and she says, you know what? No, 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 stop. Don't give it to him. I'll, whatever, whatever the, whatever the penalty is, I'll take it for him if you'll just let him go. I want to trade places. I mean, everybody else will be thinking, that'll never happen. But then the judge says, okay, deal. Death. And, and, and we're shaking our head like, what? That's not fair at all. No kidding, it's not fair. It's not fair that Jesus paid the price for my sins. He didn't deserve that. And I didn't deserve what he did for me. But that's what we call amazing grace. That's what we call the mercy of God Almighty. Because, it, because listen to me, if we simply went off of justice, justice says I've got to go to hell. Justice says I have got to pay the price. But Jesus came and said, I believe in justice, but I believe in grace. I believe in mercy 
I'll I'll take it. Whatever it is that he deserves, just, let's just trade places. Let him go free and, 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 and he can go to heaven and, and, and live up there and I'll come and I'll take the price down here. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't fully get that. But I found out a long time ago, I don't have to understand everything to enjoy the benefits of it. I don't understand all of this stuff, but I know this much that Jesus really did come. He really did take my place. And I am super glad about that. So Jesus paid the ultimate price. You don't have to turn there, but first Peter 1.18, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Your salvation wasn't bought with money. It wasn't bought with gold. It wasn't bought in some some trade deal. It was bought with the precious, spotless blood of Jesus Christ. There, you can't duplicate that. You you can't just go get more of that. That Jesus died once and for all to save the sins of mankind. And so, a verse that I want you to see here is Isaiah fifty-two fourteen because. Honestly, most of us, we don't understand, we don't realize, we don't grasp the magnitude of what it was that Jesus did for us. We think, yes, Jesus died on the cross. He died and rose again. Hallelujah. Let's go eat some chocolate and ham for lunch and, you know, call it a day. There's more to it than that. And so I'm going to show you a little bit of what Jesus went through. But, of course, we can never fully understand it, even if we tried really hard. So Isaiah 52:14 this is in the living bible this is a prophecy of what would happen to this coming messiah it said they shall see my servant beaten and bloodied so disfigured one would scarcely know that it was a person standing there so shall he cleanse many nations said so he, he was going to be beaten so bad he'd be beyond recognition you couldn't even tell that there was a human standing there like my Gosh, why would you do that for for me, uh, for 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 these people? Why, when half of them would refuse to even accept the fact that you're real, why would you still do it, knowing that so many people would mock you and curse you and make fun of you and laugh at you right until the end of time, but you still did? I'm not. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a much better person and man than I am, obviously, because I would have a serious issue with paying the price for everybody else's mistakes. I, that would be hard to do. And it would be really hard to die and sacrifice it all for all, knowing that a whole bunch of them, they'd make fun of it and just all be a big joke to them. But he did it anyway. And so I've read this before. I'm going to read it again. I've got a, a medical description from a, a doctor of what a crucifixion actually looked like. Uh, uh, you know, the Romans, they were excellent at, 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 at torture. I'm sorry, they were. And, and, and crucifixion, you know, we read, and he was crucified, and we're like, man, that stinks. Rough day, huh? Well, people back then, when they saw the word crucified, they understood what that actually meant. We see the cross as this beautiful thing. They saw it as a, as a horror symbol. They saw the cross as, I mean, the electric chair times ten. The cross was not a beautiful thing. The cross was shameful. Only bad people died on a cross. And the Romans, they were experts at it. They would line the roads going in with dead people on crosses. And you didn't look up at a cross and say, 
man, that's just beautiful. You're like, oh my God, that's, oh. He must have been a really bad, bad person for that to happen to him. And and they leave people hanging there for days sometimes because maybe it took that long for them to fully die. But listen to me. We see the cross as a thing of beauty. Jesus and everybody else saw it. It was not a thing of beauty. In fact, uh, the book of Hebrews says he he disregarded the shame that came with the cross because that was embarrassing. If you had a loved one that died on a cross, that ruined your family name forever. And but Jesus said, it's okay. I I don't care about that. I'm still going to do it anyway. He chose to do it. And so um, a description, a medical description from a doctor uh, of what a crucifixion actually is. It says the prisoner is stripped of his clothing and his hands tied to a post above his head. The Roman soldier steps forward with the whip in his hand. This is a short whip consisting of several heavy leather strips with two small balls of lead attached to the ends of each strip. The heavy whip is brought down with full force again and again across Jesus' shoulders back and legs. Now we think of the real word here is a scourging because a whip, you kind of snap it back, right? Just, but a scourging, no, they brought it down. So the, the, the things inside of the whip, the, 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 the lead balls, the, all this stuff it would dig into you. So it was a full force thing. Then they could rip it back out and tear, you know, tear you apart. And so really it wasn't a whipping, it was a scourging. And so it was brought down against Jesus' shoulders, his back and legs. At first, the heavy strips cut through the skin only. Then as the blows continue, they cut deeper into tissues, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and veins of the skin, and finally spurting arterial bleeding from vessels in the underlying muscles. The small balls of lead first produce large, deep bruises, which are broken open by the following blows. Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons and the entire area is an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. When it's determined by the centurion in charge that the prisoner is near death, the beating is stopped. After mocking him and striking him across the face, the soldiers take a stick and strike him across the head, driving the crown of thorns deeper into his scalp. The heavy beam of the cross is then tied across his shoulders and the procession of the condemned Christ and two thieves begins its slow journey. The weight of the heavy wooden beam, together with the shock produced by severe blood loss, is too much. He stumbles and he falls. The rough wood of the beam gouges into the lacerated skin and muscles of the shoulders. He tries to rise, but human muscles have been pushed beyond At Golgotha, the beam is placed on the ground and Jesus is quickly thrown backward with his shoulders against the wood. The soldiers feel for the depression at the front of the wrist. He drives a heavy, square, wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood. Quickly, he moves to the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some slack and movement. The left foot is then pressed backward against the right foot, and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each. As he pushes himself upward to avoid the stretching torment, he places his full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail through his feet. There is the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the bones. As the arms fatigue, 
Great waves of cramps sweep over the muscles, knotting them in deep, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps comes the inability to push himself upward. Hanging by his arms, the pectoral muscles are unable to act. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but cannot be exhaled. Jesus fights to raise himself in order to get even one more short breath. Finally, carbon dioxide builds up in the lungs and in the bloodstream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmatically, he's able to push himself upward to exhale and bring in oxygen. Hours and hours of this limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain as tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. And then another agony begins, a deep, crushing pain deep in the chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress the heart. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to gasp in small gulps of air. The dehydrated tissues send their flood of stimuli to the brain. Then Jesus calls out, I thirst, I'm, I'm thirsty. Of course, that's when they gave him vinegar to drink. He can feel the chill of death creeping through the tissues. With one last surge of strength, he once again presses his torn feet against that nail, straightens his legs, takes a deeper breath, and utters his seventh and final cry, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Apparently, to make doubly sure of his death, the soldier drove his spear through the fifth interspace between the ribs, upward and into Jesus' heart. Immediately, blood and water flowed out. We therefore, according to the doctor, have rather conclusive post-mortem evidence that our Lord died not the usual crucifixion, death by suffocation, but of a heart failure due to shock and constriction of the heart by fluid. Now, that's a lot, that's a lot to, to, to take in there. I hope I didn't lose you in reading that. I, usually I don't try to read extended things. But, but, but listen to me. I, 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 if I could get anything across today, man, it's that there was a price paid for you. You were not cheap. Just get that. I've got, I do have a, a, a video that I want you to show because I'm driving the point home. Most, most Easter services that I do, I, you know, I, I try to make it real lighthearted, but something got me today. Uh, I had a whole sermon written. I swear I did. And then God threw me a curveball on Friday and said, don't preach that. Preach this. And so you need to hear this. You need to see this. And so I'm going to ask Heather if you could play that video. And I want to make it real.
And so, as you can hopefully see today, you weren't cheap. Uh, it, it cost a lot to pay for your sins, for my sins. And uh, I, I'm telling you that today's the day that, that you really do take it serious. Uh, in our generation, we, we like to be indecisive, right? We, we like to say, oh, I don't know. You, you decide. You choose. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have an opinion on that. And there's some things that's fine if you don't have an opinion on it. But there's one thing that you do have to make a choice on. Eventually, the choice will be made for you if you don't make it now. And that choice is, Jesus is real. I will choose to believe that. I, I, I will admit that I don't have it all together. I will admit that I'm not so good that I can handle it all on my own. And I will admit today that, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. And, and then it's not to just say that. It's to actually live for him. Because he didn't do all that so I could go out and be an idiot. So I could go out and live, be a fool. So I could go out and, and curse people and hate people and, 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 and tear people. He didn't. It wasn't for that. He came and did that so I can live forever. And, and you may have heard that a thousand times, but until you get it in your heart, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it. This is America, okay? We've been in, most of us have been to church a whole lot in our lifetimes, but what's so scary to me is I've found a lot of people that have been in church their whole life, and they think that's good enough. They just assume that, yeah, I grew up in this thing, man. I could, I could quote you the Bible. Fine, fine, fine. But that does not mean that you're going to heaven. You've got to get this. Until you admit it, until you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, you ain't getting there. The door's closed to you. In fact, you'll get up there and it says, the Lord will say, depart. I never knew you. Who are you? I'm that guy that went to church every Sunday for, for 20 years. I, 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 man, I, I'm the guy that helped out it. And, and, and I'm the, who? Get out of here. I don't know you. Man. But there you could be the person that's like all of us that's made a whole lot of mistakes. Not perfect at all, but you called upon the name of the Lord and you said, you know what? I admit it. I cannot do this. I need you and I'm going to do it your way now. And when we get to that point, he says, come in, man. Come on in. This is for you. Heaven, it's for you. But it's up to you. You have to make that choice. I'm going to ask that we stand up together today and we said, I mean, this is Easter. We realized Jesus died. But, but we also celebrate, and what we, what we celebrate today is that he rose again from that death. But I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get real today. I don't like playing games if, you know, listen. What better day to give your life to Jesus than on Easter Sunday 2019? What better day to finally shoot your pride and kill it and admit that, hey, I need Jesus. Well, it could be embarrassing if everybody thinks that I've had it together and then I admit that I don't. Good. You need to kill that pride. You need to finally get rid of it so God can do something to you. But I'm going to say today this. If there's anybody here, you know, well, I've heard a thousand altar calls like that. I don't care. I'm being real today. You will never have a better chance to admit that you need Jesus and to receive him, then you will right here. This is the best chance you will ever have for the rest of your life. I promise you that. If you are here and you could say, yeah, man, I, I admit that I need Jesus. I want to pray for you. And so 
what I'm going to do is this. In a minute, we are going to pray. I am going to have you raise your hand. And, well, that could embarrass me. Good. It's great. Wonderful. You probably need that. Because Jesus said this. He said, if you deny me before men, I will straight up deny you before my Father in heaven. You have to come to a place where you can publicly say in front of everybody, yes, I believe in Jesus. I have received him and I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed about it. You have to be open about your faith. It is not a hidden thing. So we're going to pray and I am going to ask you if you mean it and you're not fooling around and you're ready to give God the respect that he actually deserves for doing that. I am going to ask you to raise your hand and I am going to ask that we can congratulate you and that I can pray for you this week, that, that I could contact you and text you and, 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 and help guide you through the next process of life. But you're going to have to get over yourself. You are going to have to lay your pride down and you are going to have to receive Jesus. I'll do it later. I hope later comes. That's all I can say. I I really hope that later comes, but I cannot guarantee that it's going to come. So we're going to ask you, if you are ready to quit running, if you're ready to quit doing your own thing, if you're ready to lay down your pride and say, yeah, I admit it. I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. I want you to be bold right now. And I want you to raise your hand. We're not going to laugh. We're going to make, we're, we're going to congratulate you and we're going to be your best friend. We're going to, we're going to take you to the next level in life. Kill your pride. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And I, if no one raises their hand, thank you. Is there anybody else? Come on, let's get real here. I'm not playing games. Amen. Amen. Kill your pride. Get over yourself. Amen. That's how it should be right there. And, and, and I'm telling you that if you were too embarrassed to raise your hand, then I'm not going to say and say, oh, that's fine. You did it in your heart. No, I'm going to say you need to speak up for Jesus and don't be a sissy about it because he wasn't a sissy for you. He got real. And so one last time, if there are anybody else, I'm going to give you the opportunity to publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ. Amen. Is there anybody else? I got a soldier up here. Do I have anybody else that wants to say that? Amen. Thank you. Awesome. That's great. And what I'm going to do, we're, we're going to say a prayer together right now. And then uh, we're going to get a little contact information because I want to be there. To, I'm going to text you tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to hook up with you and, 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 and encourage you and lead you along the way. And, and we're going to get you so you can grow in your faith and not just say, well, I've said it. It's all over with now. There's more to it than just saying it. Amen. And so let's all bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to pray together today. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this crowd, and I thank you that they've heard the word of God today, and some have been so bold as to admit it, that they need you. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And so now, I want everybody to repeat with me this prayer. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I admit that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, help me. I promise to live for you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 